I think the good news is that we've come uh, an incredible way since um, HIV was first identified um, sort of 30 to 40 years ago. Uh, we now have um, treatments that are highly effective and that can be delivered, you know, kind of in a single pill once a day. And we've made HIV a chronic disease. Uh, so that's the good news. I think the, the challenge for us is that we can't treat our way out of this epidemic, and we really have to find ways to prevent infections, and uh, particularly for those groups that you mentioned, so adolescent girls and young women who you know, continue to be infected with HIV. One of the exciting developments in the last decade has really been the development of antiretrovirals for prevention or pre-exposure prophylaxis. And the Department of Health has rolled out a program offering PrEP at primary health care services. Um, and so that's the beginning. At the moment, it involves taking a pill a day uh, to prevent HIV. But uh, in the last year, we heard the exciting news that we can actually use injectable antiretrovirals to prevent HIV. And this year, we started trials that are looking at a monthly pill to prevent HIV or a six-monthly injection to prevent HIV. And ultimately, we need to make progress to develop an HIV vaccine. Mm -hmm. But that has been challenging. Uh, but nevertheless, it's incredibly important. And we've seen how important vaccines are for, for controlling infectious diseases and ending epidemics. So let's talk a little bit more about pre-exposure prophylaxis. Uh, did this have a positive impact on reducing HIV infections? And, and at which facilities are these pills available? So these facilities should be available now uh, as part of government policy at most primary health care clinics. And we definitely have seen an increase in access across the country. There are still provinces that have been slow to implement, and in part that has been the significant disruption caused by COVID in the last uh, 20 months. But definitely there is a commitment to ensuring access to, to PrEP at facilities. Although we don't have sort of, uh, I mean, what we have seen um, over the last few years is that there has um, been some reduction in HIV incidence. It's not enough, uh, which is why we need new methods for HIV prevention. But, you know, kind of what we do see is that in people who do have access to PrEP, um, HIV infections are significantly reduced. Mm -hmm. Let's take a look at... Uh HIV as as we commemorated today while we still have COVID. How have we perhaps backtracked on a fight against HIV AIDS while we're focusing now on the fight against COVID-19? Yeah, I think it is a, a challenge, you know, kind of uh, certainly it's been a global challenge, the response to COVID, and it's absorbed an enormous amount of attention, time and resources. I think the strength that we had was that we had an excellent HIV infrastructure and also excellent HIV science, which has really meant that we have been able to rise to the occasion in the fight against COVID. But certainly COVID has disrupted services, and we saw that early with the lockdowns. But listening to your previous report, you know, that's also kind of generated enormous creativity and a recognition that we really need to get treatment to places where people are if they can't come to clinics. So there's been an enormous revolution to really sort of demedicalize chronic care uh, as well as prevention. So there have been definitely some challenges, but also some gains. I think the important message for us with COVID is that we really need to ensure that all those people living with HIV know their status and are linked to care, because certainly people who are 
suppressed on antiretroviral therapy will do much better if they do get COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, you know, kind of they, they obviously should access vaccinations because, again, that will protect them against COVID. Now, South Africa is the country with the largest antiretroviral treatment program in the world. But what do you think are some of the contributing factors why we are not entirely winning the war against HIV and AIDS? Yeah, that's a complex one. But obviously, you know, kind of the the huge inequalities that we have in our society contribute to that, both in terms of socioeconomic inequality and access to healthcare services, but also gender inequality and uh, the inability, particularly of young women, to negotiate safer sex, but also kind of the threat of gender-based violence. Uh, and, you know, the other groups that you mentioned who are at higher risk for HIV, they also live in South Africa. Uh, and often those groups are stigmatized or have, ha- have limited access to services in some communities because of the behaviors that they've adopted. So it's really important that we think about these inequalities and that we try to address them through more equitable services, but also through, you know, kind of addressing some of the underlying social ills that drive infection.